everyone. Welcome to the Alice Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at Fanbolt. And my name is Chikai Mikkelsen, uh, Creative Director at Atlanta Movie Tours. So we have a bunch of entertainment news to talk to you today about, um, including our review of The Huntsman, our review of Containment, and uh, just some other kind of cool things that we have coming up or that we've done. So what have you been up to? Oh, man. Uh, this has been kind of uh, crazy. We finished our, uh, our our baby classes, which is very Aww. exciting. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that's good. I will tell you, though, uh, this is really gross, but uh, hard-boiled eggs have been ruined for me forever. Um, and you're probably wondering, Chikai, why would hard-boiled eggs be ruined for you forever? Or maybe not. I don't know if I want to know. Is it, <laughs> is it that bad? Well, so what happened, the, the teacher was awesome, but the class was awesome. I'm really glad we took it. It gave a lot of context for everything that's coming, um, which neither of us knew anything about. But but she, she was nice enough. She brings like snacks and stuff, which is great. So there was a little snack that we mm-hmm. got to enjoy. And she's always oh, just going to eat the snack and then we're going to we're going to watch a video. And and the snack was uh, hard boiled eggs and and uh, um, celery with some uh Little cream cheese and so you know, and some crackers, nice little, nice little snack. And we're gonna watch a video. Okay, cool. So we go, we sit down. It's obviously an old school video. You kind of got like the old school, like kind of flute melodies going, mm-hmm. and you hear this like nice woman talking about the beauty of birth and everything. And then flash cut, jump cut, whatever you want to call it. Bam, baby crowning, baby crowning, close up, like down in the weeds of what is actually happening. And and then and then when a baby is born i get it it's a beautiful wonderful thing but then stuff also comes out with the baby and when you're eating when you're eating a hard-boiled egg emma it is a horrible combination (laughs) so if if you're ever going to watch uh and it was women doing squatting births which is apparently the natural way you're supposed to do it but it like even as i'm talking about it i can taste hard-boiled eggs so it's over for me it's over for me that's understandable and what's funny is when the teacher was done showing it to everybody the first question she asked was so what came up for you and my reply my so egg. The egg that I was just yes, eating. <laughs> it was the egg. So, you know, good fodder for an entertainment uh, podcast, as there it were. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, where we talk about TV and film and, you know, baby classes. Crowning babies <laughs> right there. I mean, not even uh, going subtle in terms of camera angles, just right in there. From uh, from long ago. Anyway, so yeah, so that's uh, that's why we listen. Sorry, you asked the crazy question, and that's uh, that was the first thing that came to mind about my weekend. So my apologies for that. But uh, All right. I want you to think about me and my growing family next time <laughs> you enjoy a hard boiled egg. <laughs> I will. I will. It's not something I normally eat. But <laughs> funny thing, me neither. Not really the thing I reach for too. And now let me tell you, doubly not reaching for that. <laughs> Ah, well, hopping into the entertainment side of things. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> There's no way to transition from yeah, that. There's true. just no, nowhere just to go. got to leave that on the floor. <laughs> Walk away from it slowly. Um, I got to see The Huntsman on Ooh. Tuesday night. Okay. And it was... Uh, oh, man. Um, where to start? It, of course, is the sequel to the uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, which came out in 2012, which was uh, remarkably successful despite reviews. Um, right. It was it, very successful internationally. And it's kind of interesting now how a movie doesn't necessarily have to do that well domestically to be considered a success because it does really well in the uh, the Europe and Asia, 
Asian markets. Right. Um, and that, of course, being the, the case with the first film, um, doubled its production budget. And so they, they did this follow up. Of course, um, the director from the first film, um, Rupert Sanders and... Uh, the lead, Kristen Stewart, who, you know, there was a, a lot of things in the press about the, the two of them around the time. We'll just leave it at that. Right. So uh, anyways, uh, they're not involved in this one, which was a little weird because there is several references to Snow White in this one. And um, mm. I think they, they pulled a little bit of the footage from the, the previous film of Kristen Stewart and then had one kind of weird scene where it was kind of implied that it was her, but you couldn't actually see her. So that, that part was a little weird, but as far as the, uh, the actual film, I liked it better than the first one, but it had a lot of problems with it. All so right. well, should I'll, we... I'll save it for the, the, uh, our scoring segment. Okay. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right. So we can circle around for that. Uh, yes. And sorry if I'm totally out of the loop, but, but what was the thing? Was it a romance? Was it like fighting between the two of them? Wait, or, for what? For for uh, uh, the the uh, Kristen Stewart who wasn't in this one and the director or whatever. Oh no, um, that was Rupert Sanders and uh, Kristen Stewart had a had a little bit of a thing oh, going okay. on. That's that's when she was with um, her Twilight co-star and it was you know kind of oh. all over the, the tabloids and and all of that. Um, so yeah, that's why I was saying we we'll leave it at that. I, I don't want to go into all of that. Gotcha. But, uh, okay, well we'll stay. Well, yeah, but, so I yeah. just wondered what the thing was. I'm like, oh no, was there a fight? Nope, it's just no. just. No. People neither 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 one of them um he's not the director in this one either so neither one of them are attached to this new one gotcha all right okay well fair enough please uh please continue <laughs> um well let's uh where should we start with our our atlas reviewing uh what is our our first? Oh, okay. Well, we, if we can jump in metric. and make it real. So, so here yeah, we let's go. make it real. All right. Well, so and this is for the Huntsman, a boredom gauge one to five, five being five alarm boredom. Um, I would probably. I wasn't really bored. Um, I'm gonna say a two. Wasn't bored. Okay. Well, that's good. So I roll engage. Oh, that's that's. Four. <laughs> Four. Okay, another high. You're, you're an eye roller. We're, we're learning yeah. this about you. So, okay, so what, what was eye rolling about it? Um, I think that there were, there were um, just a lot of elements to the film that were not really my cup of tea. Um, the, the action sequences are not really well done. They're very quick edits because I'm not really convinced that anyone that was in a battle scene actually knows how to do on-screen combat. <laughs> I think uh, Chris Helmsworth, I think, knows how to, you know, swing a swing a hammer and swing a sword, and that's about it. Um, and uh, Jessica Chastain, she just, uh, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. She can't, she can't fight. Um, at least not on screen fighting, <laughs> but, um, so that was a little awkward. Um, hmm. another thing that like really was weird for me was how pointy everything was, you know, all of the graphics and all of the kind of ice that's coming from, um, Emily Blunt's character, who's kind of this ice queen, you know, and she's putting up all these, um, like walls of ice and doing all these things with ice. It's just everything's so pointy. And that's kind of a, an, ongoing theme throughout with all of the special effects so that huh. that was a little i don't know that's probably just an emma thing that i thought was weird um by point but I you thought mean, like everything was like super jaggedy like yeah oh okay it's like the the cuts like the the edits uh transitions between different shots were very um 
very quick, very sharp. And then all of the special effects were quite literally very jagged and very sharp. Huh. And ev- everything was just, um, I don't know, it just felt abrasive to me. Gotcha. Um, which and is like, a, it's a weird thing for me to describe because I've never noticed it in another film. But it's just something with how they designed these special effects. They weren't, they didn't seem organic. They just seemed... Um, it just seemed pointy. I don't know how else to <laughs> well, describe it. Just pointy. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. um, so that's interesting. So, who, <laughs> uh, who who offered up the best performance in the film? I would say that the dwarfs were the best part of the film. All right. Um, they there was uh, four of them. Um, was it Robert Brydon and uh, or Rob Brydon and Nick Frost? And then I've, I'm not sure of the the two female dwarfs what their uh, their names are, but uh, they were. Just great. They provided comedic relief, which really made the the middle portion of the movie. the The first half was, uh, or the 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 first third was really dark. The last half was really, or the last third was over the top. But the uh. the in between third was really comical, and that all goes to the credit of the dwarfs. They were hysterical. Um, but it just, I don't know. What was it, what was the worst performance? You know, I just really wasn't that enchanted with either Emily Blunt or Charlize Theron. And I don't necessarily oh. think it was their acting. I think it was the the script that they had to work with. Their dialogue was very not natural, very predictable. And um, I think they did the best they could with it. But I just wasn't feeling the script. Gotcha. Eh, that's, yeah. that's fair. So... So obviously, again, filmed in Georgia, not applicable. Um, no. <laughs> and luckily, good, because Georgia is not known for being pointy. And we don't want those no. rumors <laughs> getting out there. So so it's, it's a grand finale, I suppose. Uh, what do you rate it? Um, I'm going to give it a two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, so yeah. that's, that's, about, that's, that's another... That's, an, that's, that's not even quite an addle. That's like I know. I keep... Atla. I, I keep throwing halves at you, no, which you I, I wasn't a part of our original so, scoring metrics, yeah. but it's, it's fine. So okay, so so not a highly recommended film, and that that's uh, I, I you know I had no idea that they doubled the budget and everything. So that's fascinating. Well, the um, when I say double the budget, they doubled. Um, that was on the first film. The production budget was doubled at the box office. So oh, I'm not I sure. Yeah, Got it. I'm. I'm not sure what the the budget actually was for this one. I would assume that if the first one did really well um, overseas, that this one will probably do really well overseas too. Um, but it's it's. I think everyone knows from the previews kind of what they're getting into. It's right. it's better than I thought it was going to be. It was a little bit funnier than I thought it was going to be, but it's still not something I would go see again. Was Nick Frost in the first one? Oh man, I don't know. Huh. I, I so sad. I did not see the first one. So. I saw it and I have apparently blocked it from my memory because I do not remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's how much I loved the first one. Gotcha. (laughs) All right. Well, Chris Helmsworth was in the first one. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, I still loved him in uh, Cabin in the Woods. That was my big Chris Helmsworth moment. That's a good movie. Yes. Yes, ma'am. That's an unpredictable movie, which is rare in that genre. Yeah. Well, that's what I liked about it. It was uh, it was a self-aware genre movie. Making mm-hmm. fun of the genre it was in. 
exactly. In a fun, I loved different it. Way. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so, so that's what's good. It, it reassures me that there are movies out there that we both like. So so that's good because I well, actually know, uh, to be <laughs> fair, uh, you gave the Jungle Book glowing reviews and I, I still need to check that one out. Yeah. Um, well, outside of the movie scope, there's uh, there's another thing coming through that we could probably both run through the yeah. patented Atlas because uh, we've both seen the first uh, episode. I'm, of course, talking about Atlanta filmed containment. Four to six feet. Four to six feet. Yeah, you know, <laughs> let's just jump right to that. Why Why not just six feet? Why does it have know. to be four to six feet? I like how, like, if you're in that scenario, you're going to be like, oh, four feet's okay. Like, yeah. I, like I wouldn't want to be six feet away from someone that had blood coming out of, like, every <laughs> hole in their face. Like, <laughs> I like, But I love it in the, in the context of that. Like, six feet versus four feet, like, percentage-wise, that's a, that's a relatively large difference. So... I love that there's a variance of two feet in how far is close enough. You know what I mean? I, that, yep. It's just the fact that it kept coming up more and more again. I was like, wait a minute. I wanted to do a count of how many times they said that last night um, or on, on the premiere episode. I actually saw the premiere. I've seen the first four episodes and I have uh, five through, I think, seven. I have screeners for those, but I've not watched them yet. Oh, uh, so I've watched I've watched the premiere a couple of times. And what, what did you think? I, I want to hear your thoughts first. Um, so since you ran me through the the Huntsman scoring <laughs> with our with our Atlas system, I'm going to to do the same with you now. Oh, very exciting! <laughs> this is my first. Uh, this is my first uh, being led through. I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's start with your your boredom factor. How how bored were you? One to five. Five being you were super bored. You know, to be fair, I wasn't bored. I would give that. I'd give that a score of two. I was not bored once during the pilot episode of Containment. I wasn't either. I wasn't either. Um, I'm going to jump in here too after you you give your ratings. You are absolutely allowed to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love the pilot episode and even having seen a a few more episodes and kind of knowing, you know, a little bit more of what's coming. um, I haven't been bored once. It's, it's something that I, every episode I had, I, when I've got that first screener, I watched all of them the first night that I watched the premiere, uh, just because I couldn't stop. Well, see, <laughs> so that's a great compliment. And to so be I'm going to give it a one. Okay, nice. <laughs> you give it, you give it a little bit more than me. I think, yeah. see, I, like, I think I'm going, well, here, feel free to ask me the next question. Eye rolling. Uh, one to five. It was a four for me. Really? It was, it was level four eye rolling. And I think the level four eye rolling contaminated my overall boredom because, you know, to be fair, I was never bored, but there was a few times where I was like, Gah. so when, that when, did happen what, to me a few times. What scenes? Um, Probably the first moment where I was completely like, oh, really, is when, uh, excuse me, I'm looking for my son. This woman was just on the phone saying, oh, they've got us locked away in, in an unused area of the hospital. Uh, and then she just happens to stumble into patient zero and the doctor that's behind all of it to find her kids, you know, in the hospital. That was, right. that was eye rolling. That's come on. You're just going to stumble into patient zero. Um and then the four to six feet, we already touched on that. I don't understand the variation of two feet. And then, uh, <laughs> as you can tell, I took notes. And then the, screw you, Jake, you're the one that got that sent me in here. Uh, mm. Oh, come on. Really? That's that's the kind of relationship you have? Like, he knew that was happening. So I was annoyed by that, even though up to that point I was liking that character. And then, um, oh, and at the very end, and this this could be disproven, and you could, you could let me know whether or not I deserve to eye roll or not. But at the very end, when they showed... 
from news camera perspective, where all of a sudden we see a vantage point from inside a news camera, Major Lex talking to, I can't remember the character's name, the father of the baby. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, don't even tell me that that video camera that's like 25 feet away in all this chaos has got good audio on what the two of them are saying. Don't even tell me that. <laughs> now, to be fair, they didn't they didn't show any of that. But I'm 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 assuming that because they showed the vantage point from inside of the news camera, that's going to somehow get out there. And then the panic is really going to begin. Am I wrong? Um, so that definitely is something that continues through the upcoming episodes. This kind of inside look at what's going on and what's not really being told to people. Gotcha. Um, so that definitely plays a plays a role in all the episodes that I've seen. I, I would assume that it goes beyond the ones that I've seen too. So I don't exactly know how it's going to play out, but it definitely continues to play a role. Gotcha. That's well, what would you? So I, I gave it a four, but really I was I was still mostly entertained by it. Like it was kind of passable, but it, but I was still like bleh, a few times. What what would you rate it? Um, I definitely think that there's some some elements that I was rolling my eyes at that seemed just a little bit too easy or too convenient. And sometimes you have that in TV shows because I don't want to say you have to dumb it down because I, I feel like this is a, a relatively smart series, especially for the CW. Um, it's it's a little bit outside of their wheelhouse and I appreciate that. Um, so um, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a three. Okay. For nice. eye rolling. Nice. A little bit better than you. Yes. Which is consistent on both fronts. Nice. <laughs> um, so next best performance. Uh, I'm going to give it to major Lex. Uh, uh, David, oh boy, G-Y-A-S-I, so... Yeah, I'm Gaius? Continue our theme from last week. Yeah, let's let's just just keep butchering people's last names. Yes, yes, but uh, I thought he was good. I thought thought that for the most part, his character had a lot of responsibility, but I actually felt for the human being behind the role he was playing in the context of the show. So that's my, that's my nod to him. How about you? I would agree. I would agree. Um, I I would agree. Uh, I think my favorite, and I think this probably has to do with uh, having having met the cast and interviewed them. I went to set when they were filming last November, Ooh. and um, George Young, who played uh, Victor, um, the the doctor. Um, I loved him so much. He was just a riot to interview. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's just, he's really nerdy and really funny. And we talked to him at the end of the day. I think he was tired and, and you know, was ready to go home. But, like, he was so funny and was just so welcoming of all the media that was there and, like, really went out of his way to make, like, everyone feel cool and, and, and you know, at home. And uh, I just, I liked him as a person. So I think I'm going to really like his character because of that. Nice. That's cool. And so that's the main doctor that you're talking about? Right. Oh, that's yeah. that's super cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Right. Um, let's see. Worst performance. Who would you give it to? Uh, uh, Sabine Lommers, uh, played by Claudia Black. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Claudia Black. I gotcha. I'm, I'm going to call her Agent Smug. Um, <laughs> so she plays the FBI agent, right, that comes in. But although, although to be fair to her... Like her character mm-hmm. is completely one note. 
Like she's that lady that comes from air to fix things and she wears power suits. So so it's not exactly. it's not really a character that comes with a lot of emotional depth. We don't know anything about her family or who she is or what she comes from. But I was a little bit annoyed. There were so many. They were like edit in shots of her just looking smug. I'm like, that lady is smug. But uh, so, yeah, she was she was my least favorite. Yeah, I, I don't think her character um, at this point, we'll see what happens in future episodes, but I don't think her character is necessarily that likable. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I thought any of the performances were were bad. I do think her character is the least likable. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll say least likable, but um I, I do kind of like what they do a little bit more with her in future episodes. So I guess that's okay. kind of tainting my, my okay. view here. Yeah, but, um, so I, you can see into the future from here. I know I can, I can, <laughs> I can know what's coming. <laughs> um, Georgia recognition factor, pretty dang strong in this one. Oh yeah. I'd say this one is off the charts actually, <laughs> uh, which is cause it was all, a lot of it was filmed in and around Castleberry Hill, of course. Um, so, so that's kind of fun to see uh, that neighborhood in this in this context i read a quote from a hollywood reporter actually uh and this is what the guy said when he was kind of because i was reading reviews about the show to see what other people thought of it and he said uh, shooting mm-hmm. atlanta for atlanta is almost a revolutionary decision in this industry of runaway production so i think it's true atlanta is always playing other places so it was actually kind of fun to actually see atlanta play atlanta of course it's another like end of the world disease show but uh i'll take it <laughs> Yeah, you know, when I first, um, I remember when they were filming the pilot here, and I thought to myself when I just kind of heard the the premise, you know, this outbreak, that's this disease outbreak that's happening in Atlanta, and I was like, oh, I think they've already done that show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do think that there is, um, I don't really think you can compare the two shows, you know, there's, there's nothing with zombies or anything like that. I mean, that being said, the, the people that get sick uh, don't look so hot. No. But uh, they look a little bit better than zombies. But um, <laughs> I've got that going. From a sex appeal factor, they are much sexier than zombies. They are much, much sexier. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, I actually have this photo from set that I've been under embargo, so I haven't been able to use it. I need to double check with CW to see if I can post it. And if I can, I'll, I'll post it when we post this episode. But I have a picture of me in the the police station next to the map of Atlanta. And it basically shows, you know, the, the actual area, the, uh, that's cordoned off. And so the actual infected area in relation to, if you live in Atlanta, like you can see 10th street, you can see, you know, North side, you can, see you can see all the roads and everything that's contained inside of it um so like i'm pointing at like where i live in midtown like roughly (laughs) in relation to the uh the infected zone and i'm not in it so that's cool i was in it i think i saw a map and i was like i think you were in it i was in it Got up the stock bridge just in time, let me tell you. I know, you escaped. <laughs> but uh, but that was pretty cool. Um, it is, and they shot so much around here. Of course, the the last scene the, that we saw, which actually the first scene that we saw, um, was all down on Edgewood and right in front of Joystick Game Bar, which is a place that we love and adore and host, you know, fanbolt events at. So right. I remember when they were filming that and it's, uh, it was... It was pretty scary looking. So it was it was really cool to finally see what all of that filming that we saw around town was. So Yeah, it's fun to see. Overall, I loved it. You loved it? I loved it overall. overall. overall I'm gonna give it a f- four. Four overall. 
we're if, if we're if we're nothing if not consistent i give it a three uh it was my eyes, <laughs> one off all the time yeah i know i was rolling my eyes a lot but uh for the most part just your point performances were solid um and uh i'm still intrigued for episode two so give credit where credit's due i it didn't it didn't roll me away but yeah i'm i'm, I'm like I'm right at the cusp of like, ooh, this could go in a very cheesy direction. But right now, I'm I'm intrigued, and I was really working hard to kind of, you know, with the Atlanta movie tours geekdom, I guess, becoming more and more built into me. I was trying really, really hard to separate that from my opinion of the show because that, that may have made me like triple nine more than I should have, apparently. Right. <laughs> so Fair you enough. So so we got we got both an Atla and an Adel. For uh, for containment, <laughs> for our scoring, yeah. So actually, I'd love to hear from uh, some of the people that are listening to see what they thought of it. I was checking on the ratings and stuff, um, and from this uh, this this website called Headline Planet, it it basically said that it it didn't get off to a particularly strong start, but the numbers will likely be perceived as underwhelming. But if they hold, uh, it would not be poor by network standards. So, but if if the show it, like has a typical post premiere drop, its ratings could soon be more overtly disappointing. So, right, just kind of and I around. I do yeah. think it's it's not really the. I mean, if you watch it, I mean, even if you've seen the trailer, you're just gonna look at it and be like, "This doesn't seem like a CW show," and it really doesn't. I mean, I think the uh, you know so many of the shows on the CW have your quintessential heartthrob, and that being said, this this series does have Chris Woods. Our Chris Wood, who came from Vampire Diaries and has right. a very strong online fan following. Um, but that being said, there's not a whole lot of that kind of, I think, attraction aside from him from the young adult audience. Right. So we'll kind of we'll see how it does. I think it would probably do better on a different network, but I honestly don't know what network I would put it on. Um <laughs> But the the upcoming episodes are really good. I think it's it's good for what it is, and I hope that it uh, that it makes it nice. I am also rooting for it. Obviously, I was reading that that they're totally open for a season two, but it all obviously depends on how this one goes. Right, right. And this one took a really long time to get a series premiere date. And when I originally watched uh, the the pilot episode, which I, I want to say was like December when I watched it, jeez, um, there was a a lot of tying tie in with it being um, what I perceive to be kind of bad timing after the, the Paris attacks and a lot oh. of things that kind of hit close to home. Um, so I thought maybe that that ha- might have had something to do with the timing and, and kind of waiting until that wasn't as in the front of everyone's minds as it was at that point, because it was supposed to be a mid season. And that to a lot of people means January premiere. Uh. Um, so this was kind of pushed a little bit later. I don't know the actual reasoning behind why it was pushed later. Um, but that to me, when I originally watched it, it seemed like it could be a, an issue in, in people watching it if they had premiered it before they, they did. Gotcha. That's, uh, wow. I, I tell you, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff of all those decisions, probably boring to most, but fascinating to me. Agreed. Same here. Yep. Here. So so we've got containment, which is a big thing, hopefully, uh, that catches on here in Atlanta, more of the media. And, and speaking of Atlanta... Uh, Atlanta Movie Chores is debuting yet another tour that has to do with zombies and The Walking Dead, actually. Yay! 
Hooray! Uh, so we, we, did, uh, we did a test run of that just yesterday, in fact. Uh, the staff from Atlanta Movie Tours just kind of get a feel for all the different locations. And I tell you, there's a lot of stuff there in, uh, in Harrelson and Huntsville. So it, it so far it looks pretty cool. Like um, there, there's a fair amount of walking on this tour actually because there's so much you can cover walking around the city. And actually, some of the streets are so narrow. Uh, big blue. That's what we call our big tour bus. Can't uh, can't fit through <laughs> some of the streets. So, but yeah, it, it's. I think it's. I think fans of the show are gonna love it. There's there's a lot of new locations that they're covering all the way up through the season finale of season six. So some really freshly used locations in this tour. And I think it uh, the actual tour kicks off uh, and ready for for all the Walking Dead fans to jump in on it on May 1st. That's the official Maiden tour. There's, there's actually an official, official Maiden tour um, that's actually got a cast member on it. But unfortunately, that's already all sold out. But uh, that should be kind of exciting because uh, uh, Beth Keener, who played Annie in the show, is going to be hosting the first ever tour. So that's that should be a fun. That's event. so cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, the Walking Dead man. I tell you, I keep thinking it's going to peak, and it keeps not peaking. I mean, uh, the Atlanta Movie Tour has kind of resisted doing a third one for a while, just because we didn't want to accidentally saturate it. But people just kept asking. So, but I, I think the result is is uh, is pretty exciting. I think fans will be stoked. I can't wait to see it. I'm going to do the uh, the media tour here in a couple of weeks, and we'll have to circle back and kind of talk a little bit more about some of the locations that are featured. And um, I'm I'm already kind of guessing at what's going to be my favorite my favorite part. <laughs> probably probably posing next to the dumpster where Glenn was. Uh, yes, uh, I think that's probably going to be one of my my favorite locations. But uh, I, I can't wait to check it out. We should uh, we should actually do the Atlas media review with the tour. I don't even know if that's possible, but. Uh... <laughs> Shoot, I mean, let's we, try it. Let's, let's yeah. give it a go. Yeah, when it happens. So, yeah, Big Zombie <laughs> 3 starting up uh, May 1st. So, that's pretty cool. Cool, cool. Um, well, in other, I guess, national kind of news, since we've done all this Atlanta coverage, um, I was up in D.C. over the weekend and got the chance to work with Rare. And Rare.us, it's a, they, they brand themselves as America's news feed. Really, really cool site. Um, covers all sorts of things from um, politics and world news and health and all that kind of fun stuff. And they had a award ceremony where they honored 24 um, individuals that they considered to be uh, the top 24 under 40 awards. And it was just featuring individuals that were you know, quote unquote, rare and doing what they're doing and and making a difference in our world. And it was such a cool event. I got to host the red carpet for it and interview a bunch of the uh, well, co-host the red carpet and interview a bunch of the the honorees that were there. And it was just such an amazing experience. I I came away from that, like coming back here and being like, all right, you know, I need to I do a lot, but I don't. I don't, I'm not really doing anything for the greater good. And so that's mm. something I've made a point of trying to, to set a few things up to really kind of give back to, to the world. And so hopefully I'll have cool news with that soon about some, some plans that I have, but uh, it was just a really inspiring thing. And I think it, it kind of serves as a great reminder that, you know, we all have the ability to, to do something good, whether it's just uh you know, you don't have to, to necessarily start a, a charity or a foundation, but you can just volunteer somewhere on the weekend with um, an animal shelter or, um, you know, a, a community food bank or, or whatever you may be passionate about. 
um, I think it's just important to kind of not lose sight of those things. And, and that's definitely what this weekend reminded me of. It is really easy to get caught up in your world, you know. Um, it is. The question I got for you is, was there a single moment of like the kind of the most eye-opening inspiration that kind of stuck up on you over the weekend? Um, I think that there were there were two individuals that I met that that left more of an impression on me than anyone else. Um, at dinner, I sat next to um, this amazing lady, Diana Kem, and she's from Hawaii, and she photographs homeless people. And uh, in in her doing this, she actually photographed her father, who she had not seen since she was a, a young child. Her father was was absent, and uh, then he had an number of health problems and you know when you have someone who is homeless having health problems and you don't necessarily know their their health history or really what's going on with them it, it adds a whole nother kind of terrifying level to to whatever um, is going on and so mm-hmm. now she's she's trying to get wristbands on homeless people to kind of uh, track their medical history so if someone does have to go to the hospital you know they'll have a little bit of medical history behind them even if they don't necessarily have anyone with them so I thought that was really really cool and just kind of a crazy story of how she she photographed her father Um, and the other individual that I that I encountered um, his name was Mason and he owns a pizzeria in Philadelphia and I'm already inspired sorry I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) I know right that's such a cool like I would love to own a pizzeria or just any kind of cafe or, or something. I think that'd be super cool. Yeah. But um, he uh, he sells pizza for a dollar slice and he allows for people to come in and prepay for a slice for someone who can't afford it. Uh, so a lot of the, the homeless community that's in Philly is able to come in and, and get a warm, good meal because of the uh, the generosity of, of someone else. And I think that that's just so cool. It, it's something that's so simple, but yet makes such a huge difference. That's amazing. That's It's like a weird small time crowdfunding of feeding people. I would like, here's what's interesting is I find myself less and less inclined to kind of donate to these gigantic entities that are, that are asking for money. Exactly. Because you always see these reports of like where the money's actually going and like pennies on the dollar actually gets to the people in need. Exactly. But something like that, I would, I'd be so quick to buy uh, slices of pizza up for others. Exactly. That's really cool. It's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I'm not going to just... If I'm on the street and someone, you know, asks for a handout, I'm not going to just hand over money to them. I'll be like, hey, yeah. let me go inside and, and get you something to eat or, um, you know, let me get you something that you need instead of just handing you cash. And I think that's what's so kind of cool about this, too. And and it'd be great to see something like that here in Atlanta. Um, maybe word will get around and, and we'll have a, a local place that does something similar. But um, those were the two that made the, the kind of biggest impression on me this weekend. That's uh both of those are, are really cool. I we, when we were in New York, uh, not too long ago, we were all walking to meet a friend, and Mandy, she's got such a bleeding heart. There was there was a guy on the ground, 
you know, in New York, you're not supposed you're not you're just not supposed to notice that stuff. You're supposed to just like walk right by it. But it was a homeless guy on the on the ground, and she stopped to try and help him. And 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 the guy, I don't know what was wrong with him, but they ended up an ambulance ended up coming because it looked like it was pretty real, you know. Right. Um, and you know, all of us were like, Mandy, what are you doing? Like, you know. And then afterwards, all of us just felt like the biggest jerks because she actually made a difference. But circling around to the the idea of just putting a bracelet on this guy, they wouldn't be starting from scratch with him. So. Exactly. Uh, I am also inspired because I, I love both of those ideas because they're so simple and pure. So inspiration spreads. That's what's fun about going to things like that. That's cool. Exactly. And um, you can read all of the stories of all of the uh, the top 24 uh, winners of this year's Rare Under 40 Awards. And you can get a highlight of some of them on Fanbolt, but the rest of them you can find on rare.us. Nice. So everybody go to rare.us and get inspired by something. I love it. Um, that's all I have. Oh, that's everything. So this has been that's everything. episode five. <laughs> We're officially out there. We're officially getting feedback. So uh, keep keep the feedback coming. Let us know what you guys are thinking. And uh, yeah, we'll keep hanging out with you. We've, we've gotten amazing feedback about uh, Jakai's voice, um, a.k.a. Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I don't. So, like, have you, have you ever been on the other side of that thinking, wow, this guy sounds like Mark Ruffalo? You know, I don't know if that's a voice I would automatically think of like if you had a voice that was <laughs> reminding me of an actor that had a really distinct voice then yeah. i could totally see it but i don't feel like mark ruffalo has like a super memorable voice like i'd be like oh man he sounds excited <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know but now i'm trying to picture it i'm yeah. trying to picture like i'm doing this podcast with mark ruffalo <laughs> <laughs> he was standing in a closet well yeah, i'm telling you it's it's a it's a uh it's an upgrade from what I have heard over in my history, which is like, you sound like Kermit, even though I'm a huge Muppets fan. So I even took that as a, uh, <laughs> as a compliment, but uh, yeah, you know, Mark Ruffalo, why not? It's uh it's Emma Loggins, Mark Ruffalo. That works. <laughs> We're going to get so many more heads. Yeah, it's going to be huge. <laughs> Mark, Mark Ruffalo's podcast. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's no, right. no, I, I love doing this podcast with you and I think you're an amazing co-host. So don't, uh, don't go get Mark Ruffalo to replace you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I will do my best to not do that. It's very tempting because he's constantly <laughs> calling me, you know, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind going forward. Yeah, this is a lot of fun for me too, Emma. So uh, I hope we can keep this thing going and hopefully more and more people pile up to listen to the dumb things that we say. We're sorry, the dumb things I say and the smart uh, and informative reporting that you bring. Aw, thanks. <laughs> ramblings. <laughs> my ramblings. <laughs> thanks everybody uh, for listening. I'm Ja'Kai Mickelson with Atlanta Movie Tours. And I'm Emma Loggins with Fanbolt. And boom shakalaka. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, may as well end there. <laughs> <laughs>